Adventure Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. At our church, we have people repeat a prayer who want to place their faith in Christ. Jesus did all the hard part. He did everything but pray your prayer. I'm going to ask you just to pray with me right now. Just say these words with me. You can say those words every day for the rest of your life and die and be separated from God. The scripture does not say that Jesus Christ came to the nation of Israel and said that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, who would like to ask me into their hearts? It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Welcome in. Welcome in. This is Wretched Radio. Hey, I am Jimmy Hicks. Nope, not Todd Friel. Not at all. Not by a long shot. Actually, Todd is a little bit under the weather today, but fear not. We have an exciting episode of Wretched Radio in store for you. If you can remember back last year, I believe it was in September, Pastor Jim Osmond and Justin Peters visited the studios of Wretched, actually spent the entire day with us here in the studio. But today we're going to jump into an often misunderstood understood, misrepresented topic. That's the topic of spiritual warfare and the realm and reality of demonic influences for the believer and the unbeliever. It was a very enlightening conversation, and this is one that will hopefully enlighten you and maybe open up your eyes and illuminate you to what Scripture actually says on demonic possession and oppression and deliverance ministries. This program, Jim, we're going to be talking about deliverance ministries. And so this is the belief that uh, people are oppressed by demons. They have demons residing inside of them, even if they're Christians. Mm -hmm. They can have demons inside of them, and they need to have these demons cast out. How much of this stuff have you watched? It's it's exploded in popularity in the last few years. It seems to have died down from the... I'm going to say the late 1990s. Uh, I remember in the mid and early 1990s, there was a big push in the spiritual warfare circles on the subject of deliverance. You had Rebecca Brown, you had Mike Warnke and others who claimed to be ex-Satanists. And they were promoting the idea that Christians needed to be exercised of demons and that deliverance and exercising demons and confronting demons, the power encounters was the way that the gospel went forward. This is how we advanced the kingdom and conquered spiritual darkness was taking back this territory that demons had had taken the right. satan had taken illegitimately and it was our job to use hexes and and uh, or sorry uh, breaking hexes and curses and using uh, formulaic prayers to take back this this ground this territory that satan had taken and then uh, you remember back in the 90s and, and i guess late 80s too bob larson bob larson he was yeah. a big proponent yeah. of that you can still see videos of bob larson out on the yeah. on the internet on youtube with his his big metal cross and his right. big thick King James Bible and the yes. holy anointing oils and the water sprinkling people and performing exorcisms and doing all of this in, in Jesus name. Yep. It was a big thing then. It seemed to have died down in most circles uh-huh. for a while. And now it has made a resurgence of sorts, thanks in large part to a movie that came out recently, as well as some very prominent teachers who are sort of ginning up the deliverance ministry business all over again. It has exploded in popularity, I'd say, in the last three years for sure. It kind of seems like when COVID came, uh, this stuff really got big again. And uh, Greg Locke, who is a a pastor now in Tennessee, but he produced this movie entitled Come Out in Jesus' Name. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's a big deal. It, It made quite a bit of money from what I understand. It's enormously popular. And uh, there's a lot of confusion about it. And, and it's not just Greg Locke. There's a number of others as well. So it's kind of become it's uh, a cottage industry mm-hmm. again. 
So I want us to talk about that. But before we get into, I'm going to play some audio clips from this film. But before we do, Jim, tell us, generally speaking, who is or what is Satan and demons? Satan is a created being. He's not omnipresent. He's not omnipotent. He's not omniscient. Right. Um, scripture describes his creation um, with the other angels. All the angels are created. He was originally created perfect. He was created as a holy angel. And through some mechanism, the scripture does not describe to us, God permitted his fall. He rebelled against God, wanted to be like the Most High. Isaiah uh, 14 describes that. And he wanted to exalt himself to the position that that Yahweh had. And as a result of that, he fell with a third of the angels. And he now is a deceiver and he is a liar and his demons are liars. And they are intent on opposing God's kingdom, opposing God's purposes, and attacking and deceiving people and doing everything he can to oppose the, the work of God in this world. So that is who Satan is. He is an enemy of God, but he is in no way equal by any measure or in right. any way to Yahweh. Would you describe him as kind of the the head fallen angel and the demons are his mm-hmm. minions? I think that's how scripture it. describes him. All right. So I want to play an audio clip from this movie, Come Out in Jesus' Name. We'll pause it along the way and discuss it. So listen to this. This is featuring Greg Locke and others. Okay, a spirit is with is a person without a body, and that they are looking unclear at best. Unclear at best, yeah. right? Yeah, is a spirit a person? Is a demon a person? Not a person in the way that we use the term person in describing you and me. Does a demon or an angel have a personality? Yes, I would say that they do have personality, and in, in the sense that they are aware, cognitive beings with uh, intelligence and intellect far superior to ours. So they probably have a personality of sorts, what we would describe as a personality, but I would never describe a spirit as a person. They, they have personhood, I guess. That would be a way of, of talking about that. So are they are they these disembodied spirits that are constantly looking for people so they can have a home? Like and if they're not inside a person, they're desperately looking for somebody to be almost like a Water around gold, like a lost puppy. Yeah, like a goldfish out of water. You know, you got to get the goldfish back in the bowl. And the spirit is just looking for a person to... We, we do have examples in scripture, obviously, of demonic possession. And I think possession is a real thing. Now, whether whether demons are just absolutely jonesing to find a body so that they can inhabit them uh, and, and they feel naked without a, some sort of a body, they were not created to have bodies. So they're, they could never be regarded as naked when out of a body like you and I would be called naked if we were outside of our body in the sense that we are created to be body and soul slash spirit together. And we will dwell in eternity in glorified bodies because we are created to be material beings, mm-hmm. but angels are not. Demons were not created with that with with physical bodies. They manifest themselves physically at times according to God's purposes. You see that in scripture. But they're not they're not disembodied in the sense that they're just running around looking for bodies to inhabit because they just don't know what else to do if they don't have one. In the atmosphere, in the spirit, people are so hungry. There was like a mile of traffic backed up on both sides turning into the road. You see redemption and salvation. Okay, did you hear that lady? She said there's a mile of track. I've watched this film. And uh, yeah, I mean, people come to these things by the thousands. Mm-hmm. So 
What do you, what do you think? Why, why are the, why is this so popular? This is popular because it is one of the best shows going in that neighborhood. They have a tent set up. We have 1200 people sitting inside this tent. They get up and they do their thing and they put on quite a show of people manifesting these evil spirits. They do these exorcisms. People are throwing up into buckets. That's supposedly them throwing up evil spirits. Right. And there are Christians and non-Christians there being delivered, supposedly. Yeah, and I wonder why why would it would be all these people that are supposedly demon-possessed or oppressed, at least, mm-hmm. and, uh, and some possessed. Why would the demon who is supposedly controlling these people, why, why would he want them to go to a place where he's about to get kicked out? Yeah, he can control them seemingly from the inside because they have to be cast out. So these demons have to be exercised, cast out. So the demons apparently are controlling these people, but they're not controlling them enough to keep them away from the exorcists. It's for the lost, the deliverance is to set the captives free. Being made aware that Christians need deliverance as much as the world is revolutionary. Now we're going to be set free from the bondage that we have and not just walking around with demons that have been plaguing us our whole life. Deliverance is for the people of God. Deliverance is for the church. The number one demon that needs to be cast out of the church is the demon of religion. Deliverance is for the church, for the Christian, as much for as the, the Christian, as much as the not. So Christians apparently are eaten up with demons, just like any unregenerate person. Apparently, there is no distinction in terms of demonic control between the believer and the unbeliever. That is the bread and butter of the deliverance ministry industry. That there is no distinction. Therefore, yeah. you can be a Christian and be as under the control and influence of a demon as any unbeliever in the world is. They would make the distinction, which we'll get to in the next segment, they'll make the distinction between demonic possession and demonic oppression. They will say that a Christian cannot be possessed, but a Christian can be oppressed. A Christian can be controlled. And then when you watch the the film and you see what they, they do in that film, you will see people who are allegedly Christians who are manifesting everything that you would suspect from somebody who is utterly under the complete control of a demon, including a, a voice that has changed, uh, visual yeah. shaking, convulsions, yeah. um, incapacitation, uh, complete given over to something that is controlling them from outside or from inside. That's what you see in the film, people manifesting that with, with little distinction, but it's given in the film to whether these people are Christians or not Christians. And, and when Greg Locke says, hey, Demonic deliverance, uh, exorcism is as much for the church as it is for the world. Uh, he means that. He means to draw yeah. Christians in there and convince them that they have a demon, that they are possessed, and that they need him and his deliverance ministry, him and his his works to get the demons out before they can truly have victory and freedom. In fact, as he's as he's doing this in the movie, he's wearing a T-shirt that says "Normalize Deliverance. Make deliverance great again. Hey, I told you this was a fascinating discussion on spiritual warfare, and we have a lot still to come from Jim Osmond and Justin Peters. The conversation does not end here, folks. After the break, we're going to return with more depth, more insight, more wisdom from these two guys. I use the term wisdom loosely. Don't go anywhere. Keep it right here. We have more from Jim Osmond and Justin Peters. This is Wretched Radio. 
if you are one of the people who supported our joint effort with the Masters Academy International to get Bibles into the hands of people, you're going to hear a thank you letter from May that perhaps will encourage you that what you did was a very good and lasting thing. I'm one of the recipients of the MacArthur Study Bible, so generously given with the help of Gospel Partners. This will help me in my daily study of God's Word and will inform, instruct, inspire me in my walk with the Lord as well as my service to the Lord in my family and my church ministries. How encouraging is that? By the way, if you're not plugged into the Masters Academy International, everything is about long-lasting impact. They train pastors in 18, 19 countries and many seminaries around the globe so that pastors can fill empty pulpits and preach. That makes a generational difference. You can learn more about the Masters Academy at wretched.org slash Bible, or if you prefer, wretched.org slash pastor. Have you ever felt like you're on an emotional roller coaster? It's okay to admit it because we've all been there and some of us are there now. Well, saddle up, buckle up, strap up, whatever it is you prefer. Just tune in to Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford. It's the podcast you quite possibly have been waiting for because it's the place where anxiety, loneliness, depression, and fear come face to face with the Bible. And don't expect Dr. Gifford to just read scripture. No, he wrestles with it and applies it to challenges we all face. Trust me, this podcast, it's a game changer. And it must be for me to say game changer because I loathe that phrase. But that's exactly what Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford is. It'll help you and it will empower you to help others too. You'll be throwing out biblical wisdom like you're in Solomon's Court. New episodes, they drop every Saturday morning at transform.org slash podcast or wherever you usually listen to podcasts. Trust me, you'll be glad you listened. I would say the Tomorrow Clubs is a wonderful ministry. Kids are getting saved like crazy, not just in Eastern Europe, but also in Africa. And it's so efficient. I was just with Paul and Cindy Marty, and I asked, and I said, in, in American currency, how much does it cost to have a kid come to a Tomorrow Club four times a month? So every single week, what, what's the, what does it take to make that happen? Ready? A buck, one dollar. That's it. The kid comes, they get treats, they get materials that they learn the Bible, they memorize a buck because it's it's all volunteer driven. All those dear ones, they're volunteers. It's an amazing ministry. And if you have a heart for the lost in Eastern Europe, Africa, and you love supporting ministries that are super efficient and biblically sound, I would point you in the direction of tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, and ask how many children might I be able to support per month? All right, well, buckle up. Road Trip to Truth Season 4 is back. Host John Favara is also back this year. But what's different this year is he has a traveling companion. Our buddy Jake Ream is joining him on the Road Trip to Truth for Season 4. Get ready because they're going to tackle the toughest issues facing Christians today from a solid biblical perspective. Available for purchase now at wretched.org slash four. That's wretched.org slash F-O-U-R. Important Dates in Christian History 387 AD, Augustine of Hippo is converted. His writings became bedrock for the Middle Ages and were influential in the Reformation. The Confessions and City of God are still read by many. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. 
All right, we are back here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Nope, not Todd Friel. If you're just now tuning in, we have actually been hearing from Jim Osmond and Justin Peters today. Todd's a little bit under the weather today, but as they say, the show must go on. And what a show it's been so far. They're talking about spiritual warfare and deliverance ministries and shedding some light on a topic that I know it's intriguing and it's crucial, very often misunderstood in the realm of the church. So we're going to continue this discussion with Pastor Jim Osmond and Justin Peters as they explore the realities of spiritual confrontations. Demonic oppression and demonic possession. Is there a difference? Uh, Jim, these deliverance ministries would say that a Christian, they would admit that biblically it's untenable that a Christian be demon possessed, but they say you can be oppressed. Mm -hmm. Is this a real difference or is this a distinction without a difference? It doesn't seem to be an actual difference that makes any difference whatsoever. It seems to be a semantic shell game that they're playing. They will say a Christian can't be possessed by a demon because demons don't own us. We're owned by the Holy Spirit. We're temples of the Holy Spirit. They use that in 1 Corinthians 6. In fact, in, in that movie, Come Out in Jesus' Name, they they build this theology of demon possession by looking at the temple. They had the temple had an outward court and an inner court, and then the yeah, yeah. the temple itself, and then or the building itself, I should say, and then the Holy of Holies. And they will say the demon can't get into the Holy of Holies, but he has access. That demon has access to all the outer courts. And so they would say that you, he can't dwell within your heart, within your soul, but he can dwell within your body and he can enter your body and oppress you and manipulate you. And, and they would say, this is what scripture refers to as being demonized. In scripture, demonized, demon, demonization is possession. They're right. saying possession only means ownership. So therefore a demon can't possess a believer, but a demon can manifest and control and affect a believer in every single way that they can an unbeliever, in which case the, the distinction between possession and oppression or demonization is really a distinction without any difference whatsoever. Because you see that in the video, people's voices being affected, people physically right. doing things that allegedly the demon is doing to them. So if a demon can control your thinking, he can control your emotions, he can control your desires, he can, can even control your voice mm-hmm. and and make you jerk and shake. If that's just oppression, I would hate to see what possession looks yeah. like. Yeah. And to right. be clear for the listener, there is no distinction in scripture between, scripture only knows two degrees of demonic possession. It is yeah. control by a demon. That's demonized, and all the examples of demon possession that we see in Scripture are demonic control because when the Scriptures use the term possession, it's not describing ownership. It is describing control, inward dwelling, inside dwelling. And if the gospel hasn't set us free from that, then it hasn't set us free from anything. In fact, in the the film, it shows a, a young man who is an evangelist. He claims to be an evangelist, claims to be preaching the gospel, and yet he's at this meeting, and he starts writhing, spitting, shaking. Uh, he actually spits into a basin. That's the demon coming out mm-hmm. of it. And this guy's an evangelist. That's just untenable from scripture, right? You don't, where do you see anything like that in the New Testament? Yeah, you, you don't. You don't see any instructions in the epistles even uh, for dealing with something like that. The target of the deliverance ministry is to exercise demons out of, from Christians. Let's listen to another clip from Come Out in Jesus' Name, featuring Greg Locke and others. You're sleeping with somebody outside of marriage, and you're lusting, you're watching porn, you're beating your wife when nobody's looking, you come to church looking all great and stuff, walking around, hey, Pastor Greg, you're having a good day, good to see you, but you were just out there yelling at your wife, calling her a B-word and all that stuff. You see what I'm saying? And some of you, no offense, but you're in here 
That was another one of the uh, deliverance ministers featured in that film. And so he says, if some of you people in here, you you're in here, but you just got through beating your wife, yelling at her, calling her the B word, you know, calling her names, you got anger issues. So that's a sure sign that you've got a demon. So the way you know you have a demon is if you use profanity, if you have anger issues, if you're looking at porn then that's a sure sign you've got a demon. Yeah, and that's not the only clip in the movie where they no. where they make those statements. Yeah, it's they all give a throughout. list of things that if you if you're angry, I mean you could we, let's let's give Jimmy a test here. Jimmy, have you ever been angry with anybody? Uh, I've been angry with you several times. Yeah. <laughs> Just <laughs> that's today. That's a demon. That's a demon. Yeah, that's a demon. <laughs> yeah, it is. Have you ever been frustrated, say, when your wife leaves the cabinet doors open, the doors oh, open, lights man, on? Man, why and, would you bring the that frustration up? Frustration itself? Yes. Yeah, okay, that's a demon. Uh, have you ever been impatient? <laughs> yes. That's a demon. You ever had an improper thought? Oh, absolutely. That's a demon. Ever gossip? Uh, yeah. That's a demon. Why am I working yeah. in a ministry? Yeah. Are you uncomfortable at all with this line of questioning? Yeah. <laughs> A little bit. That's a demon. <laughs> Have you ever doubted the deliverance ministry? No. That's a demon. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is a demon. In <laughs> fact, yeah, I mean, we laugh at that, but they literally say in the film, they literally say one of the way, surest ways you know <laughs> that you need deliverance ministry is if you have an opposition to deliverance ministries. Yeah, that's your, that is a telltale If you have a hesitation, sin, right. if you hesitate to if embrace you, fully what they teach. If you have the slightest inkling of any doubt as to what the veracity of what we're saying, you've got a demon. That's right. Jim, you and I are in trouble. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Notice that it's the, same, it's the same worldview, it's the same perspective and argument that the race hustlers use. Yes. Right. If you deny yes. that you're a racist, yep. you're a racist. Everything is racist. This is really the issue, Jimmy. They would say that all those things that you struggle with, uniquely you, your frustration, your anger, your anger, your lust, your gossip, your slander, your Jimmy, did you ever used to smoke? I did. Yeah. See, that was a demon That's of tobacco. De- demon of another tobacco. De- another demon. <sighs> you and have you ever renounced that demon? Renounced it? Ex- yeah, renounced it. Have you ever had an exorcism? I don't believe he I still have. has the demon of tobacco. St- there's no telling how many demons run around him. <laughs> Man. <laughs> <No telling. laughs> yeah. And so the, the, uh, the, they would say that the answer to all of those issues is not a biblical view of sanctification, which we'll talk about in yep. the last, last segment. They would say that the answer to all of those issues for the Christian is deliverance. deliverance you, you can't ministers. be free from those things yep. unless you have Greg Locke's special exorcists come in and yep. do his uh, yep. shindig over you sprinkle you, command spirits in the name of Jesus to leave you, then you can be free from those sins. And they, he lines up testimony after testimony after testimony in that film of people who have had the deliverance and then have been freed from the demon of lust, the demon of alcoholism, the demon of greed, selfishness, envy, etc. Do you guys know how much this costs? The movie? No, the, the <laughs> actually having Greg Locke come the in. Exorcism? And, yeah, because apparently I need it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Several yeah, well, times they, over. Well, you've got to sow a seed. You've got to sow a seed, reap a harvest, you know. Bigger miracle you need, bigger monetary. I don't think you have the financial capabilities to exercise all the demons that you've just admitted to having, Jimmy. (sighs) I'm going to have to talk to Todd about a raise again. There you go. That's the plug for the raise. (laughs) That's the raise. (laughs) So, yeah. So, basically, if you've got sin issues, that's a sure sign that you've got demons. It's not your fault. It's the demon's fault. Something is manipulating your flesh. Uh, They would not chalk any of those things up to the flesh. Right. At one point in the video, they talk about that's not your flesh. The envy, the gossip, the, the lust, the anger, it's not your flesh. That's a demon manipulating, manipulating your, your flesh, flesh making right. your flesh do something. So it's almost, without saying it, it's almost a Pelagian or a semi-Pelagian view of a fallen man. 
that these things are not coming. These forms of wickedness and evil are not coming from within your own heart. These things are imposed upon you from the outside. Right. And one demon, I'm sure, Jimmy, you probably got a couple of these demons that uh, that you might have picked up from your family line, family bloodline curses, generational curses. Yeah. And if you if you're a Mason or if your great grandfather, even if you were if he was a Mason, you definitely got a demon. Yeah. And that demon just goes from generation to generation, from bloodline to bloodline, attaching itself to you because of something your great grandfather, even great great grandfather did. Exactly. It's not your fault. You've got to break these generational curses. Thought I did in that aspect because my grandfather was a Mason, but he was a Freemason. Yeah. Oh, he's a Freemason. Free- yes, not under bondage. Though. Right. <laughs> That's different than slave Masons, was it? <laughs> yeah. If you've got any of this in your in your family's history, it's a sure sign you've got a demon. If you've got opposition to deliverance ministries, it's a sure sign you've got a demon. Uh, and they also have conversations hmm. with demons. Yes talk to them. And, and the, the Alexander Pagani would say that he doesn't have long conversations with demons, but he does have conversations with demons. You and I watched an interview of him. You happened to stumble upon this live where yeah. at one point in that interview, he was talking about having conversations with demon. And he says, when you ask a demon a question, they tell you the truth. And at one point he says something akin to, <laughs> why would they lie? Why would they lie? Why would a demon lie? Every record that we have in scripture of demons saying anything, they're telling the truth. Thou art the son of God. Why have you come to torment us before the time? True statement. You yeah. know, uh, this is, this, these men are messengers of the most high God. That's a true statement. So he says, every, every time a demon speaks in scripture, they're telling the truth. We can't imagine why a demon would ever lie to us. Why would we think that they would lie to us? I was in the chat. I, I put in a comment in the chat. I said, did I seriously just hear him say, why would a demon lie to us? Their head, Satan, is the father of lies. And that's not all, folks. Not by a long shot. We've been navigating the waters uh, of spiritual warfare today here on Wretched Radio with Pastor Jim Osmond and Justin Peters. And we still have much more ahead. Todd's under the weather. He might be out with a bug today. I don't think it's a demon. Jim and Justin might have a different take on it. I don't think it's a demon. But anyway, stay tuned. More conversation on this pivotal topic of spiritual warfare and deliverance ministries coming up. We're just scratching the surface here on Wretched Radio. It's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. We start with a disturbing report of anti-Semitic harassment at a New York high school basketball game last week. The game erupted into chaos after players from the opposing team taunted Hebrew Academy students with slurs. Officials ended the game early, declaring Hebrew Academy losers by forced forfeit, penalizing the victims while letting the aggressors off scot-free. Administrators did apologize, but students say the bigotry is an ongoing issue dismissed by leadership. And in more school madness, a, quote, DEI consultant publicly shied parents recently for colorblind values insisting that we must obsess over race forever. She scolded families for teaching kids to judge by character over skin color. Isn't that what Martin Luther King's whole I Have a Dream speech was even about? Judging by the content of character over skin color? And now, that's a bad thing. Shifting topics, the health director in St. Louis tried reviving COVID restrictions last week by mandating city employees mask up again. It didn't work. The mayor immediately axed her order for lacking evidence and consultation. 
The director then scrambled to save face, justifying the power grab as, quote, following the science. Yeah, you remember that one? Following the science. Though the mayor's staff disputed her doomsday hospital claims as another bureaucrat drunk on emergency powers. It looks like the pandemic panic party's over. Hopefully. I say that because I really don't want to be eating my words come November. Meanwhile, in Portland, a grotesque double murderer is now incarcerated as a woman with female cellmates. The deranged criminal tortured and dismembered his parents, even feeding parts of them to pigs. Yet, despite the man having a beard and intact male anatomy, the state of Oregon houses him in a woman's facility based on his gender identity. And they still and they wonder why people are moving in droves out of their state. Well, Miley from Kentucky, you remember the steadfast court clerk who fought gay marriage? Well, she may soon get another Supreme Court hearing. Kim Davis is her name. We told you about her last week. She was ordered to pay $100,000 in legal fees to the plaintiffs, even though she won her case. Her legal team believes SCOTUS has to still settle some unaddressed religious freedom issues. Let's pray for this lady. I mean, she won her case. Doesn't winning your case mean you don't pay the legal fees for the people that were suing you? That's what I thought, but hey, we're rewriting history and laws every day in this country. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible The Book of Proverbs is a collection of memorable sayings meant to encourage wisdom for godly living. Each proverb is to be understood on its own, and then in light of the rest of the book, and finally the whole Bible. When you desire wisdom, look to the book of Proverbs, which reminds us that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And we are back here to Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks in the studio today, navigating you through a conversation we had with Pastor Jim Osmond and Justin Peters last year on the topic of spiritual warfare. Todd is out today, a little bit under the weather. Hopefully he'll be back in the studio tomorrow. But we're going to continue this conversation now with Pastor Jim Osmond and Justin Peters. And we're going to jump into more of the realities and the myths that surround this often misunderstood subject of spiritual warfare. Jim, according to the deliverance ministry experts, if you have anger, if you have lust, if they say if you have a sexual dream, uh, if you have crazy thoughts, then fear. you've got a demon. Fear, all of these things, you've the sure sign you've got a demon. And here's a quote from one of them, quote, the demon of pornography has to eat every three weeks it needs to eat. When you cast those things out, you no longer have those cravings. I'm not sure where he came up with this information that uh, demon of pornography has to eat every three weeks. Yeah, the deliverance ministry itself is dependent upon extra biblical revelation. And let the hearer understand that, that they speak of these demons of lust pornography. They speak of these demons, what the demons say. Uh, the revelation that they get is outside of scripture. They'll talk about the Holy Spirit spoke to me and told me this person's manifesting this demon, so yeah. call it by name, yeah. etc. This ministry, this, this, this movement could not exist if it were not for a belief in the insufficiency of Scripture and extra-biblical revelation. So where does he get the idea that the demon of pornography has to eat every three weeks? Either that was revealed to him by the Spirit of God, which he would claim, or it was revealed to him in a conversation that he had by a demon. Of course, they don't believe that demons can lie. And you ask them, why don't you believe that a demon can lie? And they would say, well, because we commanded them to tell us the truth in Jesus' name. Well, how do you know they're going to tell you the truth in Jesus' name if you command them? 
And they would say, because the demons told us that when we command them to tell us the truth in Jesus' name, that they have to tell us the truth. Exactly. And so this, this idea that the demon has to eat pornography, view pornography every three weeks in order yeah. to feed itself, this is an idea that comes from somewhere outside of Scripture. There's no passage in Scripture that would... And lust is not created by a demon. That's the key. That's lust is created right. by right. our flesh. It is our hearts that are lustful. That's, That's right. where the problem lies. That's right. If there was no such thing as demons, we would have enough to battle with on our own. Our, our, flesh, own flesh, our flesh would undo us every time. Would every single time. And by the way, there is no such thing as a demon of alcohol. There's no such thing as a demon of pornography. What exactly did the demon of pornography do? Before cameras were invented, twiddle its thumbs, waiting for waiting for the on. invention of cameras. Yeah. I guess. I mean, see, all of this stuff is is unbiblical. So I don't have all these demons. No, we're, we're not saying that. We're, we're still have to. <laughs> all right. So let me ask you a question then. What is true biblical spiritual warfare? What does it look like? Yeah, is it a power encounter or is it uh, something different? And I contend that true biblical spiritual warfare is not a power encounter. In fact, it's not a battle over territory at all. So you could picture spiritual warfare in terms of, of two different approaches to spiritual warfare. A battle over territory, which is the perspective that says we need to take back the territory that has been taken by Satan. We do this by canceling family line, bloodline curses, generational curses. We do it by praying a hedge of thorns. We do it by rebuking the devil, casting him out, praying over cities so that the gospel can come in. We are taking back physical territory, exercising demons from people, from rooms, from conference centers, etc., getting the demons out of these places and pushing back the forces of darkness that have taken over territory. That's yeah. the territory approach to spiritual warfare. The truth approach to spiritual warfare says that we are battling ideologies and mental strongholds. We're battling false doctrine. We're battling satanic lies with the truth. So wretched radio is spiritual warfare in the sense that we are proclaiming the truth. We are speaking the truth. We are That's putting right. that out over the airwaves. That's we right. are discipling the nations. We are advancing the gospel. That is the truth war. That is true spiritual warfare. True spiritual warfare is confronting the lies of the enemy with the truth of God's word in order to liberate men from their mental fortresses their ideologies and isms that keep them yeah. bound up, offering up excuses against the kingdom of God. Every idea raised up against the knowledge of God is, in fact, what we are taking down in true biblical spiritual warfare. It's not a battle for territory. It is a battle for the truth, which we wage with the word of God and the proclamation of the truth. Spiritual warfare happens when you share the gospel with people. Spiritual warfare happens when your pastor gets up to preach Sunday morning. Uh, there can even be spiritual warfare and it, temptations and distractions trying to keep you away from the Word of God. It's not this swashbuckling angels and demons, Frank Peretti kind of stuff. You know those old books? Oh, I, yeah. I read them when I was in seminary. Like a Harry Potter novel. Like a Harry Potter. That's Christian what lingo. this is. This is a Christianized version of Harry Potter, yep. right? I mean, that's... Say the right words, utter the right mantra, say the right phrase. Right. In Jesus' name, come out in Jesus' name, do this in the blood of Jesus, plead yeah. in the blood of Jesus. These are verbal mantras that people speak that have no effect whatsoever. And they are verbal mantras that people speak, thinking that they're taking back this territory from the devil. And all these people going around binding Satan. You know, I bind you, Satan. Somebody sure keeps letting him back out. Mm -hmm. I don't know, know why I, they just don't say, I bind you permanently. Bind you permanently and be done with it. But somebody keeps letting him back out. So maybe we should go find the whoever the fellow is who keeps letting Satan out, bind him first, and then go bind Satan. Okay, to be fair, in Scripture, we do see Jesus casting mm -hmm. out demons, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we see the apostles doing that. We, we are, do that. We are not denying that demons possess individual people. We would right. deny that demons possess Christians or yes. or control Christians from the inside in the sense that Greg Locke and the rest of the deliverance ministry people 
teach. We would deny that. But we're not saying that nobody's ever been possessed by demons or the demon possession doesn't happen. I think it does. Our calling is not to do exorcisms. We have no instructions in scripture in the epistles on how to do exorcisms, when to do exorcisms, what to say in exorcisms, nothing like that. We do have the examples of Jesus and the apostles. And Greg Locke and others make the case that the authority that Jesus has, he has given to us to exercise in the spiritual realm. So we must exercise this authority. We must do what Jesus and the apostles did. And you and I would say that the ministry of Jesus and the apostles was singularly unique, that Jesus was uniquely called to come and to announce the kingdom and to do these signs and wonders. And exorcism is a sign in scripture. You read through scripture, through the gospels in the book of Acts, you'll see that exorcism is listed with miracles, with healing the sick, with raising the dead, with making the lame to walk and the blind to see, etc. These are miraculous signs that Jesus did that were pointed to as evidence of his messianic claims, that the greater son of David came into the world, that he he was able to bind the strong man in the sense that he was able to plunder his goods. Jesus came in and set the captives right. free in terms of doing exorcisms, and the apostles recognized this as a, as a miraculous thing as well. Just as the apostles were able in the name of Christ to do miracles that Christ had done as an evidence that they spoke for Jesus Christ and that they were authoritative, so they were able also to perform exorcisms. So Peter and Paul were able to do that in the name of Jesus because they were apostles. You and I are not apostles. We're not And there are no apostles. There are no, that's a huge point. People need to understand there are no more capital A apostles today. That office is closed, right? So if, if they, that's right. So if they think that they are able to perform the sign, the miracle, the wonder, of an exorcism, then I would say you should be able to walk on water. You should be able to raise the dead. You should be able to make the lame walk and the blind to see and do other miracles that are just as demonstratively true as anything that Jesus and the apostles did. If you're able to cast out demons, right. how come you cannot use that same authority to do other miraculous works? Now, there's a, a, a few proof texts that they would kind of like bullets that they would shoot out of their deliverance ministry guns. What about Judas? Yeah, Judas, obviously Satan entered him, John chapter 13. It says right. there's no reason to believe that Judas was ever a Christian. These are these are the proof texts to he say that- He emphatically was not a Christian. Yeah. yeah, Jesus called him a devil in John chapter 6. Right. So these are proof texts that people would use, that those deliverance ministry guys would use to say that Christians can be demon-possessed. Right. There's no evidence that Judas is ever a Christian. He was right. an unbeliever from the beginning. Jesus chose him not because he was a believer and not because that he thought there was anything good in him, but he chose him to fulfill the prophecy of betraying him so that he could be crucified and fulfill the the Father's plan of redemption. Yeah. So there's no evidence that Judas, Judas was demon-possessed. Satan did enter into him. And then they would say Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, Peter, of course they sold some land and then they they kept some of the proceeds, and their sin was not that. Their sin was lying about it. Mm-hmm. And Peter said, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? So they would say, well, here's Ananias and Sapphira. They were church members. and They were outwardly, visibly attached to the church. That yes. is true. That is the only evidence that they were actually believers. Right. So I don't think that what happened with Ananias and Sapphira was Christians who were demon-possessed and lied. I think that they were Christians who were, or, sorry, unbelievers who were right. influenced by the devil in order to tell this lie. I think that they were the devil's plant in the early church, unbelievers that were going to cause division and introduce this type of wickedness in the church, and the Holy Spirit killed them. And notice that the the solution there was not exorcism. The solution right. there for Peter was execution. Yeah. That's different than exorcism. So when they use that, that cuts both ways. Yeah, I mean, Peter did not cast the demons out of them. The Holy Spirit of God killed them. 
Matthew chapter 16, you got um, Jesus saying to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You and I were talking about this on the way to the studio today, that that word Satan there is adversary. And some have suggested that all Peter, all Jesus was doing was identifying Peter as an adversary to his plans, Christ's plans. And he's just simply saying, get behind me, adversary. At the very worst, what you have there is a believer, Peter, whom Jesus is simply identifying something that Peter said there as something that the source of that utterance, not from inside of him, but this was Satan's theology. This was Satan's task. This was, this was what Satan wanted Peter to say, to oppose the plan and purposes of the Christ at that time. Yeah. So that's all Peter was doing was speaking on behalf of what the devil would have had him to speak un- unbeknownst to Peter. Right. And Jesus is identifying what you're saying in that moment, Peter, does not come from a God. It is not the Father who has done that. You're speaking on behalf of somebody else. That's exactly right. And notably, Jesus did not cast any demons out of Peter. Nope. There wasn't, the answer to there was not an exorcism. Man, look, I have, I am full. <laughs> I am spiritually fed, and we're not anywhere close to being finished yet. This discussion from Jim Osmond and Justin Peters on spiritual warfare is far from over. We have covered a ton already, a lot of ground, but we have a lot more still to explore in this conversation. It's a crucial conversation, so stay tuned. Come on back. We have more from Jim Osmond and Justin Peters as they continue to bring truth and clarity on the topic of spiritual warfare and the life of believers. That's next on Wretched Radio. Well, 2024 is a crucial election year. The sanctity of life is at the forefront. And while we do celebrate the overturning of Roe, we cannot ignore the surge of pro-choice voices. They are persuasive, but we can and should be more convincing. We have to stand firm, not only in our beliefs, but also in the understanding of the gospel to change hearts and minds. Pro-choice advocates rally voters with misleading arguments. And as Christians, it is our duty to counter these narratives with truth and compassion. Remember, this is not only about politics. It's about protecting the lives of the unborn. The debate has shifted to when instead of should, and now it's time to refocus this conversation. Equip your family and your church with Life is Best, a 13-lesson series that's not just powerful, but a call to action. Order your free digital download and streaming version from the Wretched Store right now. It's available for free during the month of January. You have until January 31st, and we, together, can make a difference. I believe in a culture of life. One of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms of all three of my kids. The sonogram or the, the pictures that are taken of babies, still a profoundly helpful tool, which encourages me to encourage you to consider supporting Preborn Ministries. Preborn Ministries and their network clinics, they are giving away free ultrasounds to women, but they do cost something. It's $28 an ultrasound. And just as you heard Governor DeSantis say, his view of life was profoundly changed when he saw the baby in the womb when you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat would you please consider supporting preborn it's a great ministry of life it has a high anthropology shares the gospel with women and with the dads preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched 
Hey, hey, thank you so much for listening to Wretched Radio today. We appreciate you when you tune in and listen every day. We appreciate you when you visit our website and purchase our resources. And we appreciate you when you reach into your pocket, pull out your hard-earned money, and donate to this ministry. That means more to us than you realize. As a matter of fact, it means the world to us, quite literally, because you help us reach people all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, it costs way more. More than pocket land and warm feelings to produce wretched radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth, and Transformed. It takes resources and it takes gospel partners. So for those of you already on board as ongoing monthly gospel partners, thank you. And if you haven't become an ongoing monthly gospel partner, we would love it if you would prayerfully consider doing so. All of the answers to all of the questions we know you have can be found at wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who he is and what he has done. Jesus is called the Bread of Life. Just as God gave life to his people in the desert by providing manna, so Jesus gives life to his people through his body broken on the cross, which we remember in the breaking of the bread in communion. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. We are back here on Wretched Radio. I am Jimmy Hicks in the studio. Todd is actually out under the weather today, but I hope you have been finding this episode as enlightening as I have. We've been talking about spiritual warfare with our guests, Pastor Jim Osmond and Justin Peters. If you remember back, they joined us in studio last year, last September, and they recorded some episodes on different topics back in, um, I believe it was November. We played the first of those episodes where they discussed the role of AI in the life of pastors and sermon preparation. And I would encourage you to go back and look that one up at wretched.org. And this is another one of those episodes. They've been talking about spiritual warfare and today's discussion has been nothing short of fascinating. They've shed some light on a topic that I think a lot of times gets misunderstood in the church and miscommunicated a lot of times. So we're going to continue to absorb the wisdom and the insight of Pastor Jim Osmond and Justin Peters as we resume this conversation on the spiritual battles that are all around us. Jim, one of the dangers, one of the profound dangers that I see with the deliverance ministry industry, and and that is what it is. It is an industry. For us as Christians is the impact that this kind of teaching has upon our sanctification. And we've already mentioned how, uh, according to the deliverance ministries, if you have anger, if you have uh, impure thoughts, if you have sexual dreams, if you have alcohol, if, if one of your fathers or grandfathers was a Mason, a Freemason, you've got demons. That circumvents our sanctification. It uh, cuts that off, mm-hmm. right? Because the Bible is replete with commands and exhortations to put to death the deeds of the body and take every thought captive. But this is saying, oh, it's not your fault. Yeah. You've just got a demon. Yeah, it's not your flesh. <clears throat> it's not your flesh. It's not really you doing this at all. It's a demon manifesting himself through you or over you that is actually doing the sin. Um, imagine going to a doctor and, and you, you tell the doctor, I've got a headache and just crushing headaches. It really bothered me. I don't understand what's going on. The doctor says, okay, well, it's just, uh, 
it's a blood pressure issue. We're going to give you some blood pressure medication and, and some aspirin to deal with the headaches. Come back and see us again in six months. If it doesn't clear up, just take some aspirin for it. If what's causing your headaches is actually a cancerous tumor pressing in on your brain and doing something that's causing the, the headaches and the pain that you're experiencing, if the doctor misdiagnoses the problem, he will misdiagnose also the prescription that is to cure the problem. And the same thing is true with the deliverance ministry. If, if they fail to teach their people that the reason that they lust and the reason that they have anger issues and the reason that they envy and that the reason that they are filled with pride and gossip, et cetera, that these are actually deeds of the flesh, which Galatians chapter five identifies those not as demonic manifestations, but as deeds of the flesh. That's these right. are the That's deeds right. of the flesh. Deeds of the flesh. And there's yeah. a list of them there, including everything that they attribute to demons, the scriptures attribute to the flesh. Right. If you if they misdiagnose that, then they're going to say that the answer to these sinful tendencies in your heart, these sinful expressions of your your worship problem, really, which is what all sin is, is a worship problem. That the answer to this then is an exorcism. It's a deliverance. It's uh, it's getting set free by identifying the demon and having it exercised, or identifying the generational curse or the sin of your ancestor that has brought this upon you, and then dealing with that sin, renouncing it, binding that demon pleading the blood of Jesus or having it exercised from you, they're going to say that that is the cure. Well, that makes sense. If, the, if what, is, what is manifesting itself in lust is a demon and not your flesh, not your sinful heart, then that would make sense. You just have to have the, the demon exercised. But if the real cause of that sin is a worship issue, if it is the inclination of my own heart, if it is my own flesh, then scripture prescribes for our sanctification and for our victory over sin, something entirely different. Yeah. It's not an exorcism at all. Nowhere in the pastoral epistles, which is exactly where you would expect to find it, is there any instruction of deliverance ministries, how to do them or seek them? You don't see any of the apostles saying, if you have sin issues, get a demon cast out of you. So th this is a theology that is really, it's, it's proof texted. It's, um, for all intents and purposes, it's, it's created out of whole cloth. Yeah, it, it really is. It's a, they're, they're stringing together a bunch of verses that have to do with demon possession, phrases in scripture like spirit of fear and, and, and walking in the spirit yeah. and, and, and references to lust and greed, et cetera. And, and they're cre they've created out of that a theology of demonic oppression and deliverance that I think is leading people astray and leading people into bondage because the answer for our, sin problem is not exorcisms. The answer for our sin problem is denying our flesh. It is mortifying the flesh. That's one of those old English words mortifying that's kind flesh, of yeah. fallen out of, out of use, but it shouldn't have. It is killing those desires. It is battling it is battling the sinfulness of my heart by repenting and turning to Christ and relying upon his grace and walking in the power of the Spirit. It is to deny myself. So if, if my issue is lust, then the way that I deal with that lust is that I don't I don't go to places where I'm going to find lust easy to do. I'm not going to go to the beach. I'm not going to go to the water park. I'm not going to go to where women are hardly dressed in anything at all. I'm not going to let my eyes linger. I'm not going to spend time observing those things. Yeah. I'm not going to put my phone in front of me or my tablet in front of me or my computer screen in front of me and go to those websites. I'm going to deny that fire the oxygen that it needs to burn. And so I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to make no provision for the flesh, scripture says. So I'm going to deny that. I'm going to put it to death by, in the language of Romans chapter 6, ceasing to yield my members as instruments of sin and instead yielding my members as instruments of righteousness. Yes. And Paul says in Romans 6, the, the one to whom you yield your members and the one that you obey, that's the one whose slave you become. 
So if you're, if you're going to feed your lust, if you're going to feed your anger by continually as a believer, willingly doing those things that uh, express anger and lust, then you are going to become the slave of that, that yep. lust, that passion. That's you're right. going to become a slave to that sin. But if you deny yourself that and you instead practice righteousness by putting off the old man with all his sinful desires and put on the new man created in Christ Jesus for good works, you put on the new man and practice righteousness. Eventually, over time, you become a slave of righteousness. There's a sense, and, and, and describe this for us, there's a sense in which the deliverance ministry becomes a quick fix. It becomes a sanctification yeah. pill. You can go to the service. You spend your 30 minutes in worship. You hear the guy preach. You go forward. You have the exercise, the demon exercised out of you. And bada boom, bada bing, bada boom, 90 minutes, your sin problem's taken care of. You're set free. You don't have to, you don't have to labor over that for your whole life. And people don't have a, a demon problem. They have a sin problem. They have a problem with sin. They have a problem with flesh. And dear friends, if you are a Christian, if you have repented of your sins and placed your trust in Christ, then the Bible gives you incredible promises. We have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, right? We have passed from death to life. Colossians 1, 12 through 13 says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light who delivered us, talking about deliverance ministry, here's your deliverance ministry, who delivered us from the authority of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of the son of his love. Those past tense or present tense or future tense? Past tense. All, past tense. Delivered. delivered. Transferred. Once you, for all. We have been delivered. So when you got born again, you were delivered from the kingdom of darkness. And now you're in the kingdom of light. And that is a, a continuing. That's why I hesitate a little bit because it has been done, but it continues to be done. And God assures us that that will continue yeah. until our glorification and throughout all of eternity. Yeah, we have been once for all taken out of the realm of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of God's dear son. That is what the gospel has done. So the the issue, we talked in a previous segment, do we believe in demon possession? We certainly do. Yeah. Do we believe that people today are demon possessed? We certainly do. What is the answer for that? Is it a power encounter or deliverance service? Right. What, what's the answer to demon possession today? The you, gospel. Yeah. So if I come, and I've seen some people that I've suspected were demon-possessed. Yeah, I met lots of politicians. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, I share the gospel with them. I've, I've shared the gospel with people that I'm pretty sure were probably demon-possessed. Uh, and if God chooses to save that person through that proclamation of the gospel and God, God saves that person, guess what loses his right That's to right. exist? Guess who gets evicted? Right. Satan, demons, whatever. They're now, does the gospel need a power encounter or an exorcism to be effective? That's what they would yeah. say. We do, we yeah, do these no. exorcisms so that the no. gospel can come in. They make this argument in that movie, come out in Jesus' name, yeah, that yeah. the reason for right. the deliverance ministry is so that the gospel can come in and into people's lives. Was there anybody any more hardened towards the gospel than Saul hmm. on the Damascus Road? Was there anybody more hardened towards no. the gospel than he? He didn't need a power encounter. Pa the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Yes. So once we say that the gospel needs something else, whether it's a miracle to attest it, or whether it is the right preacher to preach it, or whether we say that we need a deliverance ministry to do the advance work, or we have to pray over the city so that the gospel can come into it. We need to push back the forces of darkness so that the gospel can do its work. What we're really saying is the power of the gospel is insufficient to do what the gospel says it's going to do. Yes. We're, we're really making a slight against the power of the gospel itself because the gospel delivers people from darkness. They don't need a power encounter. They need a truth encounter yes. with the truth of the gospel yes. message. Speaking of truth encounter, your book, Truth or Territory, a biblical approach to spiritual warfare. Jimmy, have you read that? 
I have. Okay, well, that should have that should have taken out a couple of demons. <laughs> so I guess the, the 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 point here, Jimmy, is that there is good news for you and bad news for you. The good news is you can be set free from with all your demons that we've cataloged in previous segments. <laughs> the bad news is it's going to take your entire life to battle against those sins and not just a quick fix. So if you came to work today hoping for a quick fix, we are here to sadly disappoint you. And that's going to do it. That's going to wrap up another episode of Wretched Radio. I want to thank Pastor Jim Osmond and Justin Peters for joining us today and sharing their insight on spiritual warfare. And also, gentlemen, I want to thank you for diagnosing me with not one, not two, but 63 demons. That was an eye opener. I had no idea. I had so many demons coming out of my ears. Thank you for that. And to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Let's pray for Todd. Pray he's back in the studio tomorrow. And until then, until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>